Everyone in the world accepts that there are different states of consciousness. The whole field of transpersonal psychology, for example, is based on this idea of altered states of consciousness, yes. And we know from the Kundalini map that each assemblage point is a level of consciousness which has different variations. One can live the clinging point or the dispossession point in different ways. But the conditions of possibility are set at each assemblage point. To somebody who is in body consciousness, who is at that lowest level of consciousness in which they only recognize bodies and think of themselves as a body, then they can only imagine that God is a body also, <clears throat> even if it's a body in a cloud somewhere or in some other imaginary form. As we see in India, the Hindus make God into an elephant or a monkey or into a bird or right? millions of different ways in which God is imaged. To someone in the West, we can't do that. And because the ego in body consciousness can't believe any longer in a God who is a body, it naturally becomes an atheist and falls into a very nihilistic outlook. And because the ego at a certain assemblage point cannot even have a higher concept of God than that which is within the conditions of possibility of that assemblage point, it makes it very difficult to transcend the limitations of one's own mind. So in order to be able to have some sense of God's presence, first of all we have to recognize that what we mean by God as a starting point is the highest potential consciousness that you can have. Not the highest possible, the highest potential. Because as soon as you say possible, then that's divided into what is possible and what is impossible. But you don't know what is impossible. You don't know the limits of potentiality. So we have to assume an infinite potentiality. And that you have that infinite potentiality of altering your state of consciousness to reach that of God consciousness. You don't even have to believe that but you have to approach this with the objectivity of a scientist. Objectivity about your own subjectivity. And recognize that what you take as yourself, as an ego, is a construct. A construct that you have imported from outside, from the collective consciousness, from your family's system, in which you've been given an imaginary identity and a role and a destiny to orbit around certain family structures and principles and pathologies and to support the collective pathology of family and of culture. But all of that is a construct and has nothing to do with what is the highest potential consciousness. The problem is that when you are in the imaginary state of consciousness, only what you can imagine is possible. And if you're stuck in a phenomenal imaginary, then the best you could 
imagine is some good person, you know, some saint, and try to be saintly. But that would be phony. And it would be imaginary. It would only be skin thick. If you're in a symbolic level of consciousness, then you can recognize that whatever image of St. Francis or Christ or Buddha or whatever is simply a symbol. And behind that symbol is the abstract logic of the expression of the highest consciousness in the real of the phenomenal plane. And through that abstract logic, the logos, one could reach the source of who is it who is logically imagining reality to be of a certain form of beauty or a certain ethical logic of goodness or a certain logical structure of an ecosystem that is in harmony with itself. But beyond that, therefore, must be the creative intelligence that cannot either be symbolized or imagined. And if we have an interest in discovering what is it possible, what is it imaginable, what is it potentially, this system of consciousness that I am capable of realizing as itself, then one can transcend all the limitations of all the different assemblage points. And simply to recognize that you are that infinite potentiality itself will free you from any identification that has limited you. And so the real question that should motivate meditation is what is the potential self that I am capable of manifesting? And then let your imagination be absolutely free and going beyond anything that you have previously imagined. Anything at all, even thingness. And allow that highest potential in all of its dimensions of love, of beauty, of goodness, of generosity, of intelligence, of power, all the different facets of the infinite diamond of that potentiality to manifest as something real, as that which is the truth of your being, not something simply pretended or imitated, and not based on any model that one has seen outside, but that which is absolutely original to your own power of imagination. And you will bring into your consciousness that infinite potential. In meditation, all you're doing is making a space for the descent of that infinite potentiality to manifest through your mind and body. And it's the docking maneuver that brings that higher self to dock with the mind that you imagine yourself to be now, that brings the union of the Supreme Self with the individual self, that enables the opening up to that infinity, that ultimate union with the Supreme Beingness that you are, that brings the bliss.
So if meditation is not blissful, and if it's not the most absolutely interesting thing you've ever done, then you don't understand what meditation is. Because what could be more interesting than opening to the infinite and realizing yourself as that? And if you recognize the sacredness of that act, you will never fall asleep in meditation. You'll never be late for meditation. You'll never lose any opportunity for the realization of your God-Self. So may each of you give yourself that blessing and play with the infinity that you are.